You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Well, open your Bibles to the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. And I am ready, and I hope you are too, to get into the Word of God. Today we are in part three of the series of Jesus' eight keys in the pursuit of happiness. So sermon number three, part three in this sermon series. It's an exciting time. And uh, we've been walking through this series together and, and learning the pursuit of happiness through the Beatitudes. Blessed means happy. And so blessed this morning are the meek, Matthew 5, 5, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, meekness is a misunderstood term, so here's what I want to do. I want to lay out the sermon to you right now so you kind of know what to expect. First of all, we're going to define meekness for about five minutes. I want you to become acquainted with what meekness is. What's the definition of meekness? What exactly is it? Because it's a a very misunderstood term today in our regular thinking. So we need to establish what is meekness. And when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, what what is that? Number two, we want to see it demonstrated in Scripture. So I'll take about five minutes, that's all, and we're going to look at how it's demonstrated in Scripture. And by the way, it's demonstrated in a lot of different places. Moses was called the meekest man on earth. And and he was a, a, a meek person. And yet we see Joseph as a meek man who was literally nearly slaughtered killed, executed, murdered by his brothers. And then later on in the book of Genesis, we see this meek man receiving his family back, loving them, giving them a seat at the, at, at the table, uh, and, and just an amazing story of meekness. There are so many examples of meekness in Scripture, but there's one this morning. We've been singing about him all morning long, and we're going to look at that demonstration of meekness. Finally, we're going to close the message And we're going to see how meekness can be practically applied in our life. That's the bulk of the message. I've never been one much of a preacher to just get you as deep as I can into the Scriptures and drown you in truth and then give you nothing to do with it. To me, on a Sunday morning, the best way to teach and preach Scripture is to give you the depth of the truth and then teach you how to practically live it out this week at work, at home, at school. Well, not school yet, amen? (laughs) But, uh, but wherever you go, at Walmart. So I'm really excited. That's the, the way we're going to lay this thing out. So hang with me. We just got five minutes per point, the first point, and then the last one, about 20 minutes, and, and I'm excited about this. So let's read it again. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow. That, my friends, is a pretty extravagant statement. Think about it. They shall inherit the earth. To be honest, I would not believe that except for Jesus said it and Jesus doesn't lie. Amen? (laughs) So because Jesus doesn't lie, I, I believe it, but I need to understand it. What does it mean when it says they shall inherit the earth? Jesus spoke of things that were so opposite to our regular thinking. Let's go back to Beatitude number one just for a moment to illustrate. Blessed are the poor in spirit. I mean, that is so opposite to our regular thinking. Jesus here is saying, you'll be happy if you humbly depend 
on me. Jesus says, with more of me and less of you, that there's much more that can be done. And to that person, the kingdom of heaven will be rewarded. He says then in Beatitude number two, blessed are those who mourn. So opposite to our break. Blessed, happy is someone who weeps, who mourns. Yes, you're blessed when you feel you've lost what is most dear to you, only to find God is what is most dear to you. And last week we discovered that, that getting help from God and being comforted from God is what beatitude number two is all about. The original hearers in this text, let's go back to that for just a moment. Let's just look at a little history here. The original hearers of this text here who Jesus is speaking to were living under severe political oppression. So let's imagine just for a moment if we would have been them back in 63, uh, basically since 63 BC, they were under a series of brutal rulers. Probably the most brutal ruler was Herod. You've heard of Herod. Herod the Great executed nine of his ten wives merely on suspicion of infidelity. He had hundreds of babies slaughtered. And so the Jews here are desperately looking for a Messiah who are going to rescue them from this Roman Empire. I read this week and I thought it was interesting. I'll read it to you. The legalistic Pharisees wanted a Messiah of miracles. The liberal Sadducees wanted a materialistic Messiah. The Essenes are looking for the Messianic Messiah. The political activist zealots were looking for a Messiah who will send their tormentors back to Rome in body bags. They wanted a military Messiah. They wanted a Jewish Rambo, a Terminator. That's who they were looking for. With that said, can you imagine as Jesus comes along and people are enamored and blown away by his miracles and by his teachings, and then he says... Blessed are the meek. Are you serious? It's going to take more than meekness to destroy Rome. I mean, listen, Herod is not going to respond to meekness. What kind of Messiah is this? What kind of crowd is he going to gather? A bunch of meek people? They'll never be able to handle Rome. Meekness, they would have thought, is weakness. Oftentimes, we think that victory belongs to the strong, right? Yet Jesus gives us an opposite truth in this pursuit of happiness. But today, in our culture, meekness is considered weakness. Meekness is considered a liability, not an asset. That's why we hear people say things like, nice guys finish last. Or if you don't like the way I drive, get off the road. When's the last time you saw a t-shirt or a bumper sticker that said, happy are the meek? But somehow locked up in this third beatitude, somehow locked up in this third principle in the pursuit of happiness, Jesus says, when you learn what it really means to be meek, you shall inherit the earth. The world is yours. The world is not driving you. You're driving it. It's as if Jesus is saying that the meek are the strongest people on the planet. They shall inherit the earth. The weak 
are the arrogant. The weak are the proud. The weak are the pushy, the rude, the gossips. Jesus is saying that truly strong people in life are the meek. And as a result of that, the world is theirs. And that's the source of happiness. Blessed, happy are the meek. And so let's jump into this first little short five-minute segment where we're going to, first of all, number one, learn what it means to be meek. Now let's go to the dictionary definition of it, just just to get a better idea of what, what this might mean, all right? Here's what Webster's said. He says it's being mild. So blessed are the mild, or maybe blessed are the gentle, or blessed are the easily imposed on. Blessed are the humbly patient. Blessed are the folks that are not easily provoked. We get more of an understanding of what it means by going to the Greek. And the Greek word for meek is preus. And preus refers to gentleness. Same word as meek, gentleness. In fact, oftentimes you'll see the word meek and gentle together. It refers to gentleness as the positive moral quality of dealing with people in a kind manner with humility and consideration. In Jesus' day, the word priuse, meekness, would have been used to describe a soothing medicine. Someone's under stress and anxiety and, or, or someone's not sleeping. Priuse, melatonin, <laughs> Something to calm them down, just to relax them so they can rest. In Jesus' day, this term would have been used to describe a gentle breeze. Have you ever sat on the porch somewhere, maybe on your porch, in a rocking chair and looked over to your spouse or your friend or your significant other and say, man, that breeze sure feels good. I love that breeze. Priuse, I just... Isn't the weather beautiful? Aren't you comfortable today? I think the best definition of this term used in Jesus' day would have been this. It would have been used as a horse that had been broken and is now useful. A horse that, that is broken. It was a wild horse. It was a powerful horse, but it got broke, and now it's fit for the master's use. Here's what Warren Wiersbe said. If you go out in the mountains and find a wild stallion who is strong and unbridled, it has enormous strength. It can kick you and it can kill you. But if you bring that stallion back and you tame it, then the strength is brought under control. A tamed horse is no less strong than a wild horse. It has just as much strength. It can go just as fast. But a tamed horse, a prius horse... A meek horse is one that is strength under control. It is bottled up for the master's use. It has the ability to harness its reactions. It has the ability to control its emotions. I think the best definition of meekness is this. Meekness is not weakness, and meekness is not timidity, It is power under control. The meek have warm hearts. They don't have hot heads. It doesn't mean that we're silent. It doesn't mean that we become the world's doormats. 
There's godless anger that destroys, and there is godly anger that builds. Again, meekness is power under control. Medicine under control is useful. Medicine out of control is dangerous. Wind under control could be a gentle breeze. Wind out of control can be a tornado, a hurricane, destructive. A broken horse is under control. A broken horse can be useful, but unbroken, it's wild and it's dangerous. A weak person does not overreact. A a meek person is not driven by their emotions. A meek person is strength under control. The Bible says this, a meek person has rule over his own spirit. Let me show you in Proverbs chapter 25, beginning at verse 28. It says this, a man without self-control, a man who has absolutely no rule over his spirit is like this. This man, he's like a city. A city is powerful. A city is a, 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 a powerful place to live. Big cities are intimidating. But a man without, who doesn't rule his spirit is like a city that is broken down. It has no walls. This man is emotionally and mentally vulnerable. He's weak. That is power out of control. You may have power, but you have nothing to contain that power. It is like a destroyed city. On the other hand, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, it says, Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who, here it is again, rules his spirit than he who takes the city. In other words, to rule your spirit is meekness. Think of what it takes to conquer and take a city. It takes strength. It takes might. It takes strategy. So meekness is power under control. Meekness is an attitude of the spirit. And Jesus clearly said that the pathway to happiness is having a meek spirit. Number two, I want you to look with me at what it means to be meek. How was it demonstrated? Let's spend five minutes on this one. How was it demonstrated in Scripture? What is the perfect picture of meekness? We've got Moses, we've got Joseph, and others. Job was meek most of the time. But the greatest example of meekness is the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus teaches us that meekness is a strength worth possessing. Meekness is not weakness. Meekness is power under control. When Jesus rode into town in his triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, he was described as meek. Look at the verse on the screen. It says that he was a king. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, you're a king. This was a king. The king of kings and lord of lords to us, amen? And yet, We know that there are kingdoms still on planet earth. Certain countries and providences call themselves kingdoms. And guess what kingdoms have? They have kings. And you know what kings have? They have pomp and circumstance. They have phylacteries and 
When a king comes to town, they clear the streets and the highways, and he comes in on a carriage or on a beautiful, big, massive horse, uh, maybe the size of a Clydesdale. I mean, a king. A king comes with honor and power. Here's our king. He comes meek. He's mounted on a donkey. This is Jesus. Mounted on a donkey. Scripture says it was a colt or the foal of a beast of burden. He came in on his triumphant entry into Jerusalem on lowly transportation. Church family, not a mighty horse, a donkey. The greatest example of meekness is the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul looked at this characteristic of Jesus and said this in 2 Corinthians in chapter number 10 and verse number 1. He said, I, Paul, I entreat you by the meekness. I come to you, I speak to you this morning by the meekness and gentleness of the greatest example of all, Jesus Christ. Meekness, gentleness. And you'll find this in Scripture, that Jesus never defended himself. Never. When we talk about meekness, one of the things we want to maybe potentially question is, wait a minute, didn't Jesus overthrow the tables in the temple? I mean, he he got pretty angry at that moment. He sure did. When they tried to desecrate his father's temple, not once but twice, if you remember, he was not weak. He was very, very powerful. He drove them out, but he never used his power for himself. He only used his power to defend God. Meekness is power used in the defense of God, never yourself. That's why Jesus never worried about his own injuries. He never worried about his own injuries. He could have called legions of angels in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He could have called, as the song says, 10,000 angels. But he didn't. And aren't you glad? He had power. The power to call 10,000 angels to take him from that moment. But it was under control because he wanted to die for you and for me. Look at that passage in Matthew chapter 26 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Behold, one of those who were with Jesus stretched out his hand, drew his sword, struck the servant of the high priest, cut off his ear. Jesus' response to that was this, put your sword back into its place. For all who take the sword will perish by the sword. Do you think that I cannot appeal to my Father? And that he will not at once send me more than 12 legions of angels? That's why it shouldn't be any surprise to us when we hear Jesus say, I want you to learn something about me. Learn this, he says. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn this. Learn this about me. Jesus says, I'm meek and I'm lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is Jesus' invitation to make your life easier. 
I see a world full of stress. I see church members full of anxiety, full of stress, full of worry. I see, like you see, a world full of chaos, wars, and rumors of wars, and a world financially falling apart, and a nation being built on on things that are shocking to us. You can't turn on the news today and not say, are you kidding me? Really, this, this is happening? But Jesus says, I want to lighten your load. I want to give you some rest from all of that. I want to give you relief and rejuvenation. His whole life was an example of humility and service. And he instructs all of us to follow his example and demonstrate meekness. He says in Colossians 3.12, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Number three, now that we've defined it and now that we've seen it demonstrated, what are we going to do with it? Because the challenge now is we've got we've to determine now, can we take this now to the streets? Can we take this to 621 Third Street? Can I take this as a leader to 600 Garland Street? Can I take this next week to Teen Revolution? How do I take this to the workplace tomorrow? How do I take this to Walmart? How do I display power controlled by love? Let me show you. It's it's clear in Scripture. Live out what it means to be meek. Let's live it out together. Meekness is something that requires effort. This is not something that just happens. Unfortunately, there's not a magic wand that I can display this morning. Everybody walks out meek. It takes time. It's something we have to practice. It's something we get good at over time. And it is a fruit of the Spirit. As He works in our lives, we experience meekness. Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. And the next three words, or the next two words, and I've added meekness because he says gentleness or meekness and self-control, which is a huge product of gentleness. Meek people have control over their own spirit. And against such things there is no law. So church family, as the Holy Spirit is working in our lives as you yield to him, as you invite the Holy Spirit on this journey of life with you, then meekness will become evident to those who you come in contact with. Your kids, husbands, your wives, wives, your husbands, business owners, your employees, they experience this and it's evident in our lives as the Holy Spirit is working, as we yield our lives to him and say, I I want to display these fruits in my life. And today, meekness. Notice again, Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. There's this reward. They shall inherit the earth. Now, this could also be a prophetic reference. The more I studied this, and I've been working on this for about three weeks, and one of the things I discovered, and and obviously I I decided not to go this route, there is no doubt a prophetic reference here. There is a, a millennial possession here. There is a reward for those who are meek. But we're not looking at the uh, historical application. We're looking at the practical application this morning. Not all scriptures are written to us, but all scriptures are written for us. And so how can we apply this today? 
what does it mean when it says they shall inherit the earth? Yes, there's a, a futuristic meaning to that, but what about now? How can I possess the earth now? Listen to Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. You're blessed when you're content with just who you are. No more, no less. That's the moment you find yourselves proud owners of everything that can't be bought. Wow. So what does it mean to inherit the earth now? Meekness is the key to possessing everything. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. To inherit the earth means the world is not driving you. To inherit the earth means that you are driving it. You have overcome the world. When we die to self, we're submitted to God. And guess what? God owns everything. He owns it all. And when we submit ourselves to him, when meekness becomes a characteristic in our lives, we inherit the earth. Let me give you five key factors to know if you're being meek. And these are things that I think are so applicable. And I want to be very careful and tender and, and, teach, and teach this for the next five or six minutes. What I'd like to do is I'd like to go to one passage of Scripture that I found in the Old Testament that was very similar to Matthew 5.5. 5, and it's Matthew 37.11. Matthew 37, 11 says this, but the meek shall inherit the land. Also, they'll delight themselves in abundant peace. They're, they're under control. They have a peace that passes all understanding. That verse is very similar to Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the land. The difference in the verse is the word blessed is used in Matthew, but the word but is used in Psalms. Whenever I see that word but, I... I but the meek, I'm like, okay, what comes before that? What, what did the psalmist say before? Because there's a transition in his thinking. But the meek. So, so what, what do meek people have? Well, these characteristics are clearly listed in verses 1 through 10. So I want to take just a moment and give you six things we can do now as a meek person, and we find them all in Psalm 37. Look at verse number 1. Would you do that with me? First of all, stop worrying. Look at it here in the text. It says, fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. When we respond in faith to the obstacles of life, and I may not have given that first point, Jerry. The first point is responding in faith to the obstacles in life. Did you show that one? Good, thank you. Thank you so much. When we respond in faith to the obstacles in life, we stop worrying. We, we don't fret ourselves. I see a world full of worry. I see sometimes churches full of people ha who are worried and have anxiety. I, I, I like hanging out with church people. Do you like hanging out with church people? I love it. I was hanging out this week with uh, Kyle and Melissa Jennings, and, and, and they are in the first service. And, and, and Melissa had gotten a brand new car, like a brand new car. And then the hailstorm comes, right? And these softball-sized hails destroy her car. Like, she thought when she went out to take a look at it, oh, maybe a broken window. No, it was like totaled. So she must have gotten the worst of the worst. And I know everybody experienced this, and, 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 and cars and roofs and all kinds of things were damaged. But we're sitting there in the parking lot. She's telling us this story, and, and, and we're with, Caroline's with me, and Melissa, it was awful. And, and then Kyle, my husband, comes out to the car, and I'm like, look at my car. And he's like, hmm, yeah. 
aren't you going to react? He said, just a car. He goes, we got insurance. It'll all work out. You got to know Kyle. Kyle's just the smoothest, quiet. Like, I think Kyle literally lives in a gentle breeze or something. Like, he just, he never raises his voice. He's just like calm. He's like the opposite of me, you know. And Kyle says, it's no big deal. Hey, honey, you're okay. Who cares about the car? And I thought as he said that, what an example of just not worrying about the, the, the circumstances of life that seem sometimes to overcome us, overtake us. And if we're going to be meek, we've got to overcome the obstacles in life by having faith and stop worrying. Number two, trust in the Lord and do good. Look at Psalm 37.3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Dwell in the land. The land that we dwell in, church family, is America. And America, right now, she's not looking all that pretty, is she? It's discouraging sometimes when you see what's happening. In fact, I think I already mentioned this. Sometimes I can't remember if I said this in the first or the second service. I apologize. But I can hardly watch the news anymore. I mean, it's just so negative and so discouraging. And there's so many things that are coming down the pike. I mean, just a, a few years ago, we were faced with this idea of, 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 of men being able to use a woman's restroom if they thought they were a woman and vice versa. And then two years later, look how it has escalated. And we see this. And at times, if we're not careful, we take the road of frustration, anger, accusation, I even hear people in their anger say, man, I'm just going to move to another country. I'm illustrating that just to simply say, when someone is meek, they just simply trust in the Lord. Just do good. The world is ours. We know who's in control. God is in control. And you and I can rest in that. Number three, notice what it says in verse four. Delight yourself in the Lord. I wrote this down. Enjoy God. Just enjoy God, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Are you enjoying God this morning? Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive. You break every chain. Oh, God, you have done great things. We dance in your freedom, awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, my Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great things. You say, let me tell you who I did that for. I did that for the person in the building that just went like this. What's he so excited about? I mean, he needs to calm down. He's the pastor. I've been like this for 31 years. I, 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 this, this is who I am. I'm not going to let the, the world control my emotions. I'm going to enjoy God. And I'm going to enjoy God in worship. I'm going to enjoy God in my family. I'm just going to enjoy the blessings of God in the midst of tribulation and persecution and a nation falling apart at the seams because my God says the meek people inherit the earth. We own it all. We understand that. Next it says, commit everything to him. Look at Psalm 37 and verse 5. This is before it says, but the meek shall inherit the land. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him. He will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. When I was growing up, my daddy used to tell me this all the time. I'd come to dad with a problem. I'd come to dad with a frustration. I'd come to dad after football practice and tell him, man, I've got a kid on the team that I don't like or that's picking on me or whatever. I'd, just, I'd vomit my complaint to my dad, and here's what, what his response was. Now, this is when I was 15, 16, and 17. I'm going to tell you what the response was in just a minute. But let's fast forward to 
When I'm 56, 57, and 58, and he's 80, 81, and 82. Hey, Dad, man, I'm just having a tough time with this, that, and the other. Same response. You ready? Roll with the punches. I'm like, Dad, come on. Can you give me more than that? Son, you got to roll with it, boy. Things happen. Don't let those things determine how you react to them. You're a Christian, son. You're a child of the king. You belong to Jesus. You've got promises in Scripture. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, son. He will act. Don't take vengeance. Let God act. He'll bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the new day. This is meekness, power controlled by love, rolling with the punches. Things don't fluster you because you're in control of your reactions, even though you can't control the situation. Notice the next one. Rest in God. Psalm 37, verse 7, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries evil devices. Be still. Wait. Rest. And you'll inherit the land. Next, don't get angry. Look at Psalm 37, verse 8. Refrain from anger. This is all before, but the meek shall inherit the land. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It only tends to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. Wow. Refrain from anger. Don't let the circumstances control your reaction. Viktor Frankl has written some amazing books. He survived Auschwitz. Maybe you've read a book from Viktor Frankl. They're fascinating. He was a psychologist. And Viktor Frankl said this, They took my clothes. They took my wife. They took my kids, my wedding ring. I stood naked before them. And I realized this. Here's the quote. They can take everything in my life but they cannot take my freedom to choose how I will respond to them. That's a freedom you will always have. How do I react? How do I choose to react to those people who hurt me? Maybe you're here this morning, you're saying, I just can't control my reactions. I don't know what gets into me. I just, I can't get them under control. I want to introduce you to somebody who can help you get them under control. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God gave us not the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And then we come to verse 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. This is the way to overcome the obstacles of life by faith. We stop worrying. We trust in the Lord. We enjoy God. We commit everything to Him. We rest in God. We don't get angry. And the meek, you own the world. You own it. I mean, the world's not driving you. You're driving it at that point. The meek know how to deal with the difficulties in life. What is your attitude towards the difficulties in life? Do you get angry? Do you worry? Do you fight back? The meek person submits themselves to God and lets Him handle the problem. The meek respond in faith to the obstacles of life. Number two, meek receive the word of God. They receive it. They are open to it. 
They're teachable. Look with me, if you would, please, at the next verse on the screen. James 1.21. Therefore, put away all filthiness, put away all rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Are we teachable or are we unreachable? Think about it. Eager to learn, ready to receive the word of God. What is our attitude to the word of God? Do I submit in meekness to the word? Because here's what I've learned about meek people. They can be corrected. They are teachable. Psalm 25 verse 9 says, The meek, the meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. Number three, you won't react negatively to criticism when you're operating in meekness. It's something we don't always do well at. I don't always do well at this. This is why it's something we've got to practice in our lives. Look at this verse in 2 Timothy 2.25. Correcting his opponents with meekness. Because God may perhaps grant them repentance leading to a knowledge of the truth. Something I learned a long time ago is you're never going to please everyone in life. Can I get an amen there? You're just not. So that being said, do I receive criticism well? What is your attitude to those who oppose you? What is your attitude to those who disagree with you? What is my attitude to those who gossip about me? When someone disagrees with you, be tender without surrender. Meekness doesn't mean that you cave into your convictions. Not at all. But you can be tender without surrender. I mean, there are times when you have to take a stand. My first test with this was when I was a young preacher and I was in a car with some friends. I say friends, probably not the best friends at that time of my life, but I was in the car with some friends that began to do something inside the car that I, I knew was, was wrong. And I thought there as I sat for a moment, thought, how do I handle this? And I knew it was a test and I just simply said, hey guys, if you don't mind, would, would you mind just not doing that while I'm, while I'm in the car? And they said, well, this is our car, so no. And I said, I get it, and I understand. And I said, would you mind, could I then just, could I get out? They said, you can jump out. Before I knew it, the guy in the back seat opened the door, and they pushed me out. I was on Grand Avenue, right in front of Grand Avenue Baptist Church. I fell on Grand and skid myself all up, cut myself all up. It was a, interestingly enough, this was like a God thing. There was a, a telephone. You remember those old uh, telephones? What do they call them? Payphone booths, yeah. Right in front of Grand Avenue Church. If you've lived here long enough, you know there used to be one there. I had a dime in my pocket. This ages me, doesn't it? I walk up to the telephone. I put the dime in. I call my mother, you know. And I say, Mom, look. I'll explain later, but I need a ride home. She picks me up in front of Grand Avenue, and I, she takes me home. We lived in, 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 I can't remember where we lived at that time. We moved a lot, single-parent home. And Mom said, uh, what happened? I told her, and she said, son, God will bless you for that. The next day, the next day, that young man came to me and said, hey, I just want to apologize. We, we've been talking. We totally overreacted. You were just trying to do the right thing. We listen, would you forgive us and would you help us? We know this is wrong. 
My point being is this. When you are criticized, when you face criticism, how we react to that criticism, when we're under pressure, how we react to that meekness disarms critics because it disappoints them. When someone criticizes you on social media, don't let them pull you in. I just got back from what's called the Southern Baptist National Meeting and Convention in New Orleans. When I got back, I, I went on social media, and I watched all these people that were at the convention, and these threads go for miles long, Shane. And all they are is just, it's just everybody hating on everybody about whatever was mentioned. It's just, it, it's just so sad. I wonder oftentimes what unbelievers think when they read those threads of people just vehemently spitting hatred at each other and, and just going on and on and on. Don't let them pull you in. Meekness diffuses conflict. Think about Ephesians 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you're called, with all lowliness and meekness, with longsuffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, with all lowliness and meekness. Meekness diffuses conflict in your marriage. Meekness diffuses conflict in your parenting. Meekness diffuses conflict in your friendships. Meekness diffuses conflict at work. Meekness. When other people raise their voice, you need to automatically lower yours. That's called strength under control. Number four, you will desire to restore the fallen. In Galatians 6.1, when we're meek, we have this desire. Brethren, 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 if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. How do I react when I hear of someone who's messed up their life? Do you receive the word gladly when your brother or sister has fallen? Is your attitude, yeah, I could have told you that. I saw that one coming. I told you so. When a brother or sister has fallen, we need to restore them, not judge them. That's power under control. And number five, you will reply to hope, with hope, to the questions about God. So many people have questions about God, don't they? We're living in a society that's looking for the meaning of life, looking for the answers to life. They're searching for a God. And so scripture says in 1 Timothy 3.15, but sanctify the Lord your God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with what? Meekness. Be ready to answer. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be pressure. Be ready to answer with meekness. Here's my challenge to you on this one. What is your attitude to the unsaved? Do you argue with them? Do you use your Bible to beat them down? We are to be witnesses, not prosecuting attorneys. Witness to, with meekness. And when we respond to pressure with meekness, you know what happens? It's an incredible testimony to the world. 
They know something's different about us. Evangelism is when you build a bridge of love between your heart and their heart so that Jesus can walk across. That's what evangelism is. If I've got a lost person who's asking questions, I need to immediately, in a meek, with, a meek, with meekness and lowliness of heart, attempt to answer their questions, understand where they're coming from, and realize that my goal is to build a bridge so that Jesus can walk across right into their hearts. People aren't going to trust Jesus until they first trust you. And if people like what they see, they often listen to what you say. Meekness is a witness to unbelievers. And so this morning, as I close the message, I want to challenge you to realize this, that truly a meek person is not a coward. I hope that I define meekness well enough. Sometimes people think Christians are weak, but Christians with meekness are the strongest people on the planet. They inherit the earth. Strength of self-control is needed in order to bear an affront with patience because you will be offended. You will be offended. You'll be offended by your spouse. You'll be offended by those you work with. I had a lady uh, this morning, so precious, tears in her eyes, walking out the building. She said, I needed this this morning. She goes, I have such a bad relationship with my superior, my boss, and I can't hardly look at him. And I know, preacher, that I'm not, I'm not a good witness in that moment. I just need you to pray for me that I could have meekness. I'm offended, but I've allowed that offense to affect my attitude. And I need meekness. Jesus was never so strong as when he displayed meekness and was led as a lamb to the slaughter. And Pilate, when he saw that, was baffled at the calm strength that Jesus had displaying meekness all the way to the cross. Meekness is a strength that is worth possessing. It's not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. It is strength submitted to the control of God and his will. And if you have a desire to be like Jesus, and I know you do, then you must allow this quality of meekness into your life. Some of you are stressed out this morning, right? Stressed out about your job. Stressed out about a relationship. Stressed out about a family conflict. What you need more than anything else is to develop this quality of meekness. The quality of controlling your reactions by the Spirit of God. When He fills you and you follow His Spirit, He'll give you power. But that power will be controlled by love. By love. What I'd like to ask you to do with me as we respond in worship, in just a moment we're going to stand, and I want you to pray with me. What I've decided to do throughout this series is just to have a prayer that we can corporately pray together as it leads us into the worship. And you can still respond at the altar. I'm going to be here. We'll have, I'll just ask Tony, one of our elders, to join me. We have some elders out of town this week. Butch, I see you back there too. Maybe all three of us could be here today. We'll just be up front if you'd like someone to pray with you. You're welcome to come. We'd love to have that time with you. The altars will be open. My wife's up here. She could pray with a a lady if they needed prayer. I know there's other ladies that would be willing to do that. I love last week I saw a lady come down, and a lady just came out of the pew and 
prayed with her. I thought that was beautiful. That's welcome here, by the way. That's not against the Baptist. (laughs) We want you to feel liberty during this time. Just let the Spirit move. If you need to go talk to someone about something, feel led to do that. This is a time to respond. But before we do, let's stand, shall we? And let's pray together this prayer on the screen. Would you join me right now? Let's do it together. God, I am not by nature a meek person. I need your spirit of power in my life, and I need your spirit of love, and I need your spirit of self-control. Fill me with your spirit. Help me when people disappoint me. Help me to be meek, not judgmental. And when people disagree with me, help me to be tender without surrender. I want to have a gentle answer that turns away anger, not stirs it up. Help me to lower my voice when everybody else raises theirs. When people want to correct me and offer suggestions, help me to be teachable and not unreachable. And Lord, when people hurt me, help me to respond gently and disarm my critics to choose to respond with love and forgiveness and not react in retaliation. I want to be like you, Jesus. I need your help and power in my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.